Welcome to Kids Considered, where two pediatricians discuss children's health topics of interest to parents in a podcast with new subjects considered every episode. I'm Dr. Lena Rostein. And I'm Dr. Dean Blumberg. And we're both pediatricians at UC Davis Children's Hospital in Sacramento, California. And that leads us to today's topic. Hi, my name is Lindsay. My 10-year-old daughter was recently bitten by our dog on the arm. She had six stitches, but I'm wondering if there would have been any alternative to stitches, such as Steri-Strips or glue. I'm also wondering if you could comment on the best way to minimize the appearance of the scar. Thanks so much. So this is something that's common. and Ouch, ouch right, exactly. Ouch, yeah. Yeah, so sorry that she had to go through that, but she ended up with the stitches, and there's a lot of options for this, so... Yeah, Mm -hmm. there are lots of things we can talk about today with regards to stitches, how to improve the look, and what should be done when your kid comes in with a cut or bite or laceration. Mm -hmm. So first off, I think that it's important to make one thing really clear. Okay, just one thing? Well, to begin with, yeah. That you're very squeamish around blood? (laughs) That's true, but that's not what I wanted to say. (laughs) Do you want to talk about the scar on your arm? How did that happen? Well, that was a branch, but I don't really want to talk about that either. Okay, well, what is so important? That a normal active child will almost certainly end up with some cuts and scrapes. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Why didn't you say so? Well, I was trying to. (laughs) (laughs) So we could just cut to the chase now, right? Uh Get it? Cut. Oh, that's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) But you do make a very important point that all children are active and curious. They're going to be pushing their boundaries. They're going to be walking on a ledge that's too high. They're going to be running and their face is going to go into the corner of your table. It's (laughs) Inevitable that they're going to bump into things to fall and end up getting bruises, scrapes, and cuts. Mm -hmm. So most of these scrapes are going to be minor. And although the child is scared and it hurts, most of these can be fixed with just some tender loving care, a little TLC, a kiss from dad or mom. Right, but some wounds are going to need more care. And some might need stitches. Right, and depending on where the wound is, there may be concerns about it healing with the scar. Parents might worry about how to decrease the chances of scarring. Mm-hmm. So let's start with the basics, then, and let's start with small scrapes or, or cuts. Good idea. Almost all bleeding can be stopped by applying direct pressure over the site. It's best to use clean gauze or cloth to minimize contamination of the wound so that it won't get infected. I was wondering how long it was going to take you to get to infections. What was that, a minute? Yeah. Well, you're against infections too, right? I'm definitely against infections. Uh, Okay. So we're applying direct pressure, and this can take five or ten minutes. Right. It should be a firm, constant pressure right over the cut. And not the gentle on and off maneuvers that we sometimes see and that I often do myself (laughs) because I'm impatient. Yeah, the tapping, right. So be patient. It's common to stop the pressure too early and like you want to look at the wound to see if it stopped bleeding, but then you technically have to start over. Right. So once the bleeding stops, wash the wound gently with soap and water. And again, you want to decrease chances of infection. Sometimes kids are going to object to the washing. In this case, you can try just soaking the wound, so like in the sink or a bathtub. Mm -hmm. And then after cleaning it, then put on a little antibacterial ointment on it to keep the wound moist. And then cover it with a bandage or a dry gauze until it's healed. So these small cuts or scrapes are the easy ones to address. Right, but how will parents know if the cut actually needs stitches or not? 
It's not always straightforward, but we've got some advice. For example, for cuts that go all the way through the skin and are large, stitches might decrease the scarring. And more obvious, any cut that is gaping open so that you can see the muscle or fat, that's pretty deep. And so that should probably be closed. Definitely. And you can recognize muscle because it has a darker red color. And the fat is usually a yellowish color. I'm getting squeamish again. Mm, Hopefully he doesn't lose it on us here. (laughs) Any cut that's more than a half inch long and is gaping open should probably be closed with stitches. If you're not sure how long it is, it's probably worth having a ruler or a tape measure so that you can look, or I'm guessing most phones have an app now so that you can measure it. Mm -hmm. So even cuts smaller than this that are gaping might need to be closed. Or if the cut is in a cosmetically sensitive area, like on the face, you could call your pediatrician to be seen to see if stitches are needed. Mm -hmm. And one of the things about calling these days is many pediatricians, you can like take a picture, picture, right? So they can just look at it. So take your child to the pediatrician or if it's after hours, like these things seem to always happen after hours, Mm -hmm. um, you may have to go to an urgent care clinic or the emergency room. Right. Now, how are they going to close the laceration? That depends on the size of the cut. So let's say it's a small one. One option then might be skin glue, also called a topical skin adhesive. One name that parents may have heard of is Dermabond. Right, so this was introduced about 20 years ago in the U.S. And it is just pretty much a glue. It's rubbed over the cut, and the provider will hold it closed and approximate the edges. Mm -hmm. So this is something that wasn't around when I was in training. (laughs) We we did not glue things. We did not (laughs) glue kids, right? So but what kind of cuts is this good for? It works very well for straight cuts, but it can't be used in any areas of significant tension. So like if you think about um, like a joint space like the knee where you're going to bend your knee and that's going to create tension or your elbow, um, those would not be as good. You would need something stronger like stitches because there's always a chance that those areas that it's going to be reopened. Yeah. So the topical skin adhesive works well for lacerations of thin skin, like on the face, and where the edges come together really well. It's not a good option if the cut's in a hairy area over joints, like I mentioned, or an area where the skin moves a lot like the chin. From like talking and eating and stuff like that, right? exactly. So it's also generally not used for wounds that are dirty or have a significant risk of infection like animal or human bite. Right, so that gets back to the question that we got about Uh the dog bite. Right. If skin adhesive is used, make sure to avoid using oil-based products like antibiotic ointment, Vaseline, sunscreen, or lotion because all of these can actually break down the bond of the glue, which is something that I don't think many people know. No, so hopefully they would get like a, at least a instructions and a handout on that right. after it's closed. Exactly. Yeah, so and the advice would be to just use soap and water to clean it. Totally. The advantage of skin adhesive is that it's quick and it really does not hurt to apply. And it's not scary either. You know? Right. So another option that's not scary is um, steri strips, and these are sometimes called butterfly bandage closures. They're narrow adhesive strips that are placed over the cut with some tension. And they can't be used if it's an area of a lot of tension or movement. So similar to the glue, Mm -hmm. they work pretty well as long as they can stay in place for at least three days. You really just leave them on until they fall off on their own. And that usually happens within about a week. Right. But they're not as strong as stitches. So Um, they're only good for the superficial cuts where the wound edges line up well. mm -hmm. So that's what we talked about before. Yeah. So sometimes stereostrips are used with little dots of skin adhesive in between to kind of use both at once. 
Right. But for wounds that need strength to keep them together, usually the best choice is going to be stitches. Right. The downside is that it can be traumatic for the child because of the time and pain it takes to put them in. Yeah. Sometimes they will use absorbable sutures so that they actually don't have to be removed. Right. But more commonly, stitches are taken out five to 12 days later. It depends on the location of the wound. It generally doesn't hurt when they're taken out. Well, it doesn't hurt that much, but it can still be traumatizing because it's like reliving the experience of someone getting close to their cut. Yeah, and so really the stitch is, it's a loop, right? So you just like cut it and pull. So there can be a pulling or tugging sensation and that can be, it can still be scary for kids. Definitely. And we should mention staples as well. So I use them for paper, but (laughs) tell me about them because they were starting to be more commonly used like when I was in training. A hundred years ago. About a hundred years ago, it seems that way, yeah. (laughs) So staples are really really quick to apply and they tend to be a better choice for larger wounds where it wouldn't it would take a very long time to put in stitches and they can actually close um, wounds as well as sutures in some cases Mm -hmm. so they're most often used for cuts in the scalp where there's hair right and that's because the scar will be covered by the hair anyway so you don't need it to look beautiful Mm -hmm. although you know it's going to be covered by the hair it's not totally true forever right why well, because when you get to be my age, your hair starts to be thinning, and then, like, those scars that you thought nobody would ever see, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Or if you're like every man in my family, bald. Uh, right. <laughs> you may uh. want to consider that if you have a, a lineage, a genetic um, balding in your family. Mm-hmm. But staples are a great go-to for scalp lacerations because they're quick. They close the wound quite well, despite the challenge of the hair. The scar is not generally an issue. Mm-hmm. And then just wash the wound once per day and apply the antibiotic ointment once per day. And then you remove the staples after about seven days. Okay, let's talk about timing of closing the wound. The sooner, the better, generally. But as long as the bleeding is stopped, it's generally also safe to wait at least eight hours to have a cut closed. But if you wait more than 24 hours after the injury, there might be an increased risk of causing an infection of the wound by closing it. So sometimes at this point, you just need to let it heal on its own. Right. And of course, this can lead to an increased risk of scarring. Right. And we'll talk more about scars later. Sometimes facial wounds may be closed even if it's been longer than 24 hours that they've been open. Right. As long as there are no signs of infection. So it's determined that your child needs stitches or staples, some other sort of like kind of an invasive procedure. And that's hard because we know at least young children are going to be terrified, Mm -hmm. scared. They're going to be scared. Although some are tougher than others, but. So what can parents do to make their children more comfortable to help them get through the procedure most easily without it really traumatizing them? Because usually they come in already traumatized from the injury and the blood. Right. Just seeing the blood can be traumatizing for them. Right. Mm-hmm. And that comes down to really developmental considerations for each child. Right. Because remember, children are not little adults. They don't have the experience that we have. They are very much living in the moment. They lack long-term perspective. So, for example, it's not going to work to just reassure them and tell them that everything's going to be fine. Right, because they don't know this. They haven't been in this situation before. They can't just go back and remember, like, this rich catalog of similar experiences. And every new procedure is going to be a mystery, which causes a lot of anxiety. Right, so we know that we want the child to sit still as possible for the stitches, and this is going to cause anxiety also. 
it takes away control for them. And this is especially challenging for children about one and a half to three years of age because this is when they're developing their sense of autonomy and they want to have control over their environment. Right. So what can we do to help children during these procedures? We need to use simple and general language to communicate with them. And when you say we, you mean? I mean parents, doctors, nurses, everyone in their immediate environment. Okay, right. So we need to make expectations realistic compared to trying to reassure them. Because I think all of us want to say it's going to be all right. And it like, and we want to say stuff like, this won't hurt at all because we want to reassure them. But we know it's going to hurt some, right? And you don't want to lie to the child. We don't want to pretend like this is going to be a totally painless experience. Right. But we do want to reassure the child. Right. So, for example, we can tell them that this will be quick and the pain will not last long. And that the parent will be there the whole time. Which is really the most reassuring thing for the kid in the whole world, right? They just want their person there with them. Right. Their parents. Yeah, of course. I want to talk more about the pain with stitches. Well, I'd rather avoid the pain myself. (laughs) Yeah, as we all would, but it's important to address. Yeah, I agree. Because children may be fearful and apprehensive with any procedure. Sometimes we give a medication. Usually we give it intranasally, so it's like a nasal spray. And this medication can help them be less anxious. Okay, so it's often is what's used as midazolam, also called Versed. Depending on the location of the wound, sometimes we'll also do a regional nerve block. So that involves placing the anesthetic at strategic areas to bathe the nerve that innervates the area of the cut so that it doesn't feel the pain. Right. For example, we do a digital nerve block on finger or toe injuries. Or sometimes nerve blocks are performed for lip or cheek injuries. And most of the time, a local anesthetic can be applied before the stitches. Mm-hmm. Directly to the wound. Right, exactly. Right, to numb it up. So that is a gel. Usually we call it let gel, L-E-T. So that's the combination of lidocaine, epinephrine, tetracaine. And that numbs it up pretty good. Plus with the epinephrine, it can help decrease the bleeding. And we just use that only in certain areas. Right, so it sits on the wound for about 20 minutes and then a local anesthetic may be injected with a small needle with little or no pain at this point because the topical anesthetic has numbed it. Right, because sometimes the injection of the anesthetic, if you don't numb it before, is actually much worse than the stitches, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the area will be numbed up when the stitches are done And because the stitches are usually done with a bit of a larger needle. Mm -hmm. And so that could be more painful. So we need to tell them that they might feel something like a mosquito bite or a quick pinch. And it's okay to not like what's happening. Right. It's also essential to let the child know what they can do during the stitches. Because their most important job is to stay still. It's okay for them to shout or cry if they feel like it. But they should try and hold the affected body part as still as possible so that we can get the medicine into the right spot. We don't want to surprise the child. No way. We want to let them know exactly what they're doing and that they can count to three and then they'll feel a poke and stinging that will last about 45 seconds. Sometimes to hold children still, we use a sheet to wrap them up, kind of like a burrito. Yeah, it's very cute, but (laughs) not when the kids are screaming. Right, and And, then we have the parents give them a hug, too. Yeah, totally. Yeah, kind of like the parent laying over the torso or legs, depending on the affected body part, can help, too, just like a big hug. Mm -hmm. So that's all good advice, but let's talk about some bad advice. 
why would we want to do that? I think we've all heard some things said to children that really don't help. So I want to just get this right out in the open. All right. So things like saying you're not going to feel anything. Right. Because that we know that isn't true. Or saying like, you need to be a big boy or big girl. Right. And that's, that's shaming them because it makes the child feel ashamed if they're not successful. Right. During the procedure, parents can really help by distracting their child. So distraction has really been proven to decrease children's pain and distress. So you can read a picture book, angling the book so that they can see or tell them a story or watch a video together. Mm -hmm. Whatever they can think of to engage their child can take their focus away from feeling the pain. And then after the procedure, no matter how things went, even if the kid like screamed and yelled and cried... Offer praise to your child. Tell them they did a great job. Right, and that they were brave. Absolutely. This is a hard thing, and now they're all done, and maybe they get to go get an ice cream cone. Right, they made it through it. (laughs) (laughs) This is one time I would condone an ice cream cone. Absolutely. (laughs) Some hospitals, like ours, may have child life specialists that are available to help with settling the child, and they're absolutely amazing. Right. The child life specialists um, are not only helpful for the child, but they can help the parent during this stressful time. Totally. Parents are often most concerned about facial cuts, and I feel like every kid I know has this. Sorry, I'm pointing to my eyebrow. There's like... I don't see it. It's, no, I don't have one. Oh. Tom has one. <laughs> okay. it's, a, it's right here. It's like through the eyebrow, and it's like just at that age that they're exploring everything, and their head is like at the exact level of the table. Uh-huh. Or like small tables. I got stitches for that. Do I have a... Yeah. Do I have I'm, a scar there? I think so. Oh, okay. Was it on this side? I can't remember, but I remember uh, whacking yeah. my head and like right at the eyebrow. Yeah. I would love to do... I wonder if there's any studies on like... It must be like... I would, if I had to guess, I would say like two and five kids. <laughs> but I mean, that's not a statistic. I just made that up. <laughs> right. So, I mean, the issue obviously is that the face is so visible that we want to minimize scars on the face, right? Yeah. But the good news is that facial cuts actually he- heal very well. So, usually there's very, very little scarring. And because of the concern about facial scarring, there are suture sizes and needle types that are specially designed to minimize scarring of the delicate skin of the face. Right. And parents can take some very simple steps to minimize the chances of scarring for all wounds, not just wounds on the face. Right. And Lindsay was asking about this, about talking about what to do after the wound heals, right? Right. So the first thing would be keep it out of the sun. Provide excellent sun protection because skin that's been damaged is extremely vulnerable to that permanent discoloration from the sun for up to six months after the injury. So minimize sun exposure to the area, cover it with a hat or clothing if that's feasible, and then use sunscreen. Right, but sunscreen should not be applied until two weeks after the cut has occurred, correct? Right, so after the stitches have come out and the cut is healed. Right. Massaging the scar can also serve to soften and flatten it more quickly. And what's the best massage style, like Thai massage, hot rock massage, Swedish... What we mean by this is that parents should use their fingers to apply moderate pressure and sort of just massage in circles around the scar. Okay. Now, what about silicone sheets or gels? These are kind of, I've heard of these, but they're kind of new to me. Right. So these products can also help soften or flatten the scar and improve coloration, but they need to be used for at least 12 hours a day. You can imagine that, (laughs) and kids too, it's kind of hard. Maybe some of our older kids, it would be a little easier, but. Challenging, for sure. Mm-hmm. So speaking of facial wounds and the concern for scarring, one question that often comes up is, 
who should be the one doing the stitches? Right. Probably not me. Definitely not you. (laughs) Right. But this often comes up in the office or the emergency room because parents could be thinking that if someone with more experience and expertise might stitch the wound up, that it might end up better and that this will lead to a better cosmetic outcome. Right. So when should parents ask about having a surgeon or plastic surgeon specifically or other specialists involved? So if the child has a large or complicated wound, this might be better handled in the operating room rather than the emergency room. Right. And contaminated wounds might need more exploration or drainage. To decrease risk of infection. Infection, right. And severe wounds that result in broken bones or penetrate into a joint will need specialists for sure. And if parents have any concerns about the potential cosmetic results, you should just be open about it and discuss it with your doctor. Absolutely. So what if the parent is concerned about the scar that results after the cut has healed? Sometimes a scar might not look as good as a parent wants it to, and then this could be a cosmetic problem. Or sometimes a medical complication can occur. Right, like a hypertrophic scar, which can be very prominent, pink, purple, or red. Sometimes these are raised and thick. Another complication could be a keloid formation that some people are just more at risk for getting. So these may extend beyond the initial injury, raising above the skin surface. They're shiny, rough, and with irregular shapes and various colors. For these types of scars, talk with your pediatrician, and they might refer you to a plastic surgeon for possible treatment um, or consider a revision Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about what to do if somebody has a really serious injury that's bleeding. Like a very deep laceration with uncontrolled bleeding. Right, and these injuries can happen anywhere. You're absolutely right. So um, serious injuries can happen after a fall from like a bicycle or a car crash or like shooting. Or in the kitchen. Right, with a sharp knife. Sharp knife, yep. Right. So the first thing to do is to act fast because a person who is bleeding a lot, so that's not to say a small cut, but bleeding a lot from one of these major injuries can die from blood loss in five minutes. And that's fast. So for any concerns about serious bleeding, call 911 in the U.S. or Canada or whatever emergency number in whatever country you are. And then next, move the injured person to a safe place if you need to. For example, if it's a car crash, you want to move them, like, off of the freeway. And apply direct, firm pressure with your hands. You need to find out where the bleeding is coming from, right, So, in terms of where to apply the pressure. So expose the wound, and then apply firm and steady pressure with both hands. If it's an arm or a leg, expose the whole limb so that you don't miss any secondary sites that might be bleeding. Mm -hmm. And next, replace your hands with bandages or clothing, then apply steady pressure. If the bleeding doesn't stop from a limb, you can apply a tourniquet, but this needs to be a commercial tourniquet. Most people probably don't have a commercial tourniquet on them. Most people don't, right? If you you do, if you have like a medical-grade tourniquet, then you place it as high on the leg or arm as possible above the wound and make sure that it's tight enough so that the bleeding stops. It's best to apply this over a bare skin and avoid placing it over a joint. And sometimes if the bleeding continues, then you might use a second tourniquet next to the first one. Yeah, and we want to emphasize that homemade tourniquets are not recommended because sometimes they can actually increase the bleeding. So in in movies and stuff, you see like the person take the shirt off of their Mm -hmm. back and tie it around. But just to be clear, that's not recommended. Right, in the action flicks, they always do that, right? Sylvester Stallone did that in several movies, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So the, the problem with using the homemade tourniquet, it's difficult to make them tight enough. 
And then they stop the flow of blood in the veins, but not the arteries. And the arteries are really the problem that causes the blood loss. Right, and that results in the more blood. Right, more bleeding. bleeding. Yeah, so for more information, go to the website for Stop the Bleed. And we will post a link for this on our website. So let's summarize the main points about managing cuts and lacerations. Cuts and scrapes are a normal part of childhood. For most minor wounds, the bleeding can be stopped with direct pressure and then be cleaned and an antibiotic ointment applied and covered with a bandage. When large cuts occur more than half an inch long, gaping wounds, or those where muscle or fat is exposed, then a doctor may need to close the wound. This can be done by tissue adhesive, steri-strips, stitches, or staples, depending on the nature and location of the wound. Parents can help their children remain still and calm during the procedure by being honest with them about what will happen, comforting them, and distracting them. And then giving them lots of praise after the procedure is completed. Scarring can be minimized after the wound has healed by protecting it from the sun, massaging it, and applying silicone sheets or gel. For any uncontrolled bleeding, call 911 and apply pressure to the wound right away. So let's get back to um, Lindsay's call, right. and I Sounds think we like a dog bite. A dog bite, and actually, I the dog. But one issue we didn't talk about is dog bites. It's like rabies. So yeah, but this dog had all its shots. All I, its shots. I happen to know that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And um, you know, our those animal bites are also at increased risk of infection. So this is one that I would say should see a doctor. Right. Mm-hmm. Obviously, right. she felt like she needed stitches, but it's six. one that six stitches. Six stitches. Yeah. Yes. So. But it's also one that you want to monitor for infection. You may want to give antibiotics. So I think she totally did the right thing. Yeah, absolutely. And in this case, antibiotics weren't needed because it was pretty superficial. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah. In order to minimize scarring, we talked about after, you know, the stitches are out, the wound has totally healed, sunscreen, Mm -hmm. massage. We talked about some of those things. So hopefully that was helpful for her. Right. Hope so. And that reminds me of a joke. I thought we were doing the song instead of the joke. And let's not do the joke. You want to hear the joke? <laughs> no, I want to hear the joke. It's a good we joke. Could, we could hear the joke. We could do both. What did the doctor say to the patient who wanted to stitch up his own wound? What? Fine. Suit yourself. Oh, Suture? That is, that's one of your better ones. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, we can keep it. Okay, so we thank pediatric emergency medicine specialist Dr. Emily Andrada at UC Davis Children's Hospital for reviewing this episode, although Dr. Lena and I take responsibility for any errors or misinformation. So, let me preface this. I am very proud of Dr. Dean because he learned a new instrument. I did. And so what I was thinking of is it might be fun to add an extra element to the podcast by summarizing the main points. Instead of like we usually do, we talk about them. I thought we could summarize them in a song that might be catchy and entertaining. And I was horrified by this idea. (laughs) But, you know, in... In terms of collaboration, I'm very proud of him that he learned this. So we're going to give it a shot. I'm not Britney Spears. <laughs> Although I don't know if she's known for her singing. Mariah Carey? Um, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> you're right. I don't know if that's what she's known for. But yeah, I do appreciate you going along with this. And you weren't the only one who was horrified with the idea. Your wife was? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, she says, so the first thing she says is, you don't know how to play the guitar. And then she says, you don't know how to sing. And then she says, you don't know how to write a song. <laughs> So I said, but, oh, we're going to prove her wrong. But I could, but I could learn. <laughs> All right. So here it goes. Well, we're trying our best. Last 
lacerations and cuts may scare your child. As a parent, your mind may run wild. How to react, take care of them. Don't want a scar, avoid mayhem. Firm, direct pressure, clean it. Stitches, dairy strips, adhesives. Stitches are needed, they are scared. Simple and direct, parents loving care. Anesthetic to decrease the pain. Distraction action keeps us all sane. Firm, direct pressure, clean it. Stitches, dairy strips, adhesives. Less scarring, no harming, more charming, less crying, it's trying, no denying. Firm, direct pressure, clean it. Stitches, dairy strips, adhesives. That wraps up this episode of Kids Considered. You can find more information on our website, kidsconsidered.ucdavis.edu. Follow us on Twitter at Kids Considered. And Instagram at Kids Considered. If you have feedback on this show or topics you would like us to discuss in the future, we would love to hear from you. Please call us. Our number is 916-915-3388. Or email us at kidsconsidered at gmail.com. Please rate us on iTunes or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we hope you will join us for our next podcast. Kids Considered is sponsored by UC Davis Children's Hospital.